Thank you for tuning into the HAE Speaks podcast. This podcast is brought to you thanks to the support of the Hereditary Angioedema Association, a patient advocacy organization serving the needs of the HAE patient and caregiver community. Hi, and welcome to this edition of the HAE Speaks podcast. And today we have a really special guest. Hello, I am a survivor or a continuous survivor of HAE. I have battled with HAE um, pretty much all of my life. I first noticed HAE signs and symptoms as a little girl as early as I can remember, maybe about five or six. Um, Everything from them telling my mother that I had allergies to a severe allergy. I've heard and had multiple allergy tests done and they still could not figure out why these flare-ups were happening or what we know now to be as flare-ups, why these allergy symptoms kept going on. I would wake up in crucial pain sometimes with my eyes being the size of golf balls. Not just my eyes, my hands, my feet. And as a little girl, I could not understand why, what was going on and what was happening with me. Throughout the time and the years, as I became a teenager, I had symptoms that kind of slowed down a little, but then they progressed and picked back up. As I was a teenager, I had ended up getting pregnant, which led the HAE symptoms to be more invasive for me. As of them still not knowing it was HAE at the time, I went through another trial and error of multiple doctors, multiple medications, over-the-counter medications, uh, prescriptions, all that were supposed to help treat allergies, still having flare-ups and swellings. Nothing worked. Still no answers. No no one knew why. No one had any any proper answers for me. It was always a, what did you eat? Do you remember if you got into anything? Did something bite you? I've even had that. <laughs> and that was always a, a weird one for me because like nothing bit me. I wouldn't know if something bit me. So that was kind of uh, the process from a little girl to a teenager. As I got to be an adult, 2016, 2017 hit me hard. 2017 was my worst attack that I had had and experienced. Sorry. 2017 left me to where I was intubated for quite some time and stayed in ICU for many many weeks. Um, From there, they still really did not know what had went on, what was going on, what had happened, everything from being shipped to OSU to the Cleveland Clinic and the Cancer Center. They had done a multitude of tests. They were saying at the time, we have to do any and everything that we could think of and we're throwing, basically throwing you in the kitchen sink. That was hard for me at that time because, like I said, it hit me and it felt like life had spun out of control. It's like I had no control over what was going on and did not know what was happening. Still no answers. All I know is I went in for what was supposed to be a carpal tunnel surgery, came out, and swelling was so invasive, there was almost nothing that I could do. I just remember feeling my whole body almost shut down and build up, it felt like a, a, a balloon was going to explode in me, in my throat, 
and in my airway, in my face, my lips, my tongue, everything just blew up within a matter of a few minutes from being out of surgery to sitting up. And that's hard, right? So at this point in your journey, Aisha, you don't have a diagnosis. So you don't have a, a logical reason for you to be like, okay, this is why my body is doing this, which is rough, which is extremely mentally, it's got to be mentally draining and mentally hard. Yes, it's mentally draining, physically draining, yeah. emotionally draining. Um, and it wasn't just draining for me when that happened because I was a person that was always on the move, always on the go, um, full-fledged family, kids, they're busy, they're in activity and sports, and all of a sudden I drop, complete rock bottom, just drop. And like I said, that time was the hardest for me being in, in ICU and intubation like that. For whatever reason, it took everything out of me. I had to come home and be on a walker. I had to have assistance with clothing, showering. My basic day-to-day -day living that I felt like had been snatched away from me, I had to have help with all of those things. Sitting up, holding a toothbrush, brushing my hair. I still had two younger girls at the time. My son was older, but that was just, that was a lot. Um, my husband took the role then in 2017 to become not just a worker and a provider for us financially and as the head of household, but he took the role on for everything. He had to learn to care for me in another type of way and be a caregiver for me. Um, as they sent me out to Cleveland Clinic, it was a doctor there that knew off the rip when I went in because I still had swelling and was going through a flare up at the time when I made it to Cleveland Clinic. And he looked at me automatically and was like, whoa, why why didn't anybody see this where you're coming from? Said, no, don't know, been there almost all of my life, off and on, seen many doctors, many allergies, many specialists, disease specialists, doctor, all type of specialists. We have seen a numerous of doctors and specialists. He's like, wait a minute, something isn't right. You mean to tell me nobody have thought of, said, no, I don't even know what you're saying to me right now. It sounds like a foreign language. Never even heard of it. At that time, he said, I have a study panel that I want to do which is invasive lab work and some other things. He said, it's going to be quite a while. This is almost over 120 plus panel labs. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, how, how am I going to do that? Right. And I said, well, that word that you mentioned, and he said, hereditary angioedema. I said, I have heard of that prior to coming here from OSU. I said, but they said that there was no way I had that because I had not heard of it. And I didn't have any family members that, from asking around for the ones that were still living that knew of it. Well, he did another one and he said, let me do some other things. He said, you could be possibly the carrier. You could still have normal C1. Did it, came back and he said, just like I thought, so I'm gonna do one more thing. You have a history of hereditary angioedema. He said, and you may not have someone in your family that you know of per se today because they may not have been able to have proper testing. Right. So come to find out, we did that and boom, 
he was the one to give me a diagnosis and say, I know exactly what is going on with you. They can't keep telling you it's allergies when allergy symptoms should clear up due to allergy medicine. He said, this is hereditary angioedema. He said, there's three forms of this. At the time, he was telling me that there was three forms. He said, there's a type one, type two, and type three. He said, type three is fairly new. Uh, he said, but for now, this is what I'm going with until I receive your labs back. They came back and he said, you have, and I have given you a diagnosis of hereditary angioedema. Then it was still hard for me to swallow and accept that it, it was it wasn't easy for me to accept it although i had somewhat relief like okay well i at least know somewhat of what's going on with me but now how do i take this and put it in my life to know that it's not ever going to go away from me right and, and like you just said at least you have a starting point we have a name yes we have a name of what's happening so as he diagnosed me now, it was a, a traveling thing for me because it's like, okay, this is this many hours away from where I'm located. That's about a three, three and a half hour drive sometimes. How am I going to do this? How am I going to be able to keep going to this doctor and see him for treatment or what is my treatment options? And at that time, I came back to where I was located at in Ohio, seeing a current specialist here. They said, well, we don't believe that. Let's start a, st a study and a test all over. So that was very frustrating because I've heard those words before. From the time that I was a teenager up until the very worst episode happened in 2017, I had heard that. Let's start all over. Let's see what else we can do. Let's see what else we can find. So for me, that was even more frustrating because like, OK, well, I have a doctor that says he's been doing this for years. This is what it is. And then I have you guys over here on my left that's never worked with it, never heard of it. It's very uncommon around here where I'm at. No nurse, no doctor, nobody had heard of hereditary angioedema. And so they're like, are you on a blood pressure medicine? Are you on something else? No, this is what I'm told I have. These are the symptoms. So now I'm having to do my own research. I'm getting online and Googling it and trying to learn more about it and trying to figure this this out because this is what is going on with me. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of patients, right? <clears throat> There's still, even when they have a diagnosis, there seems to still be that unknown. So they end up being their, their own research so guy. 2018 came, had a diagnosis, but still no treatment. So a lot of people were telling me Hey, you need to, to get away to get to better better weather. Sold everything I had in Ohio. Home, house, both of our homes, cars, everything. Everything we possibly own, we sold to move out west. My husband stayed here as my care provider. It was hard because he didn't know what was going on and was going to be the next steps. We just knew that we wanted to move closer to get to a better specialist and better doctors. They said that there were better ones out, out west for me because nobody here where we stayed could treat me and did not know how to treat me. So we did that and finally doors started opening slowly but surely. I had got a call from a specialist out there and said, hey, I think we have a treatment plan, let's try it. 
this is a new medicine on the market and I think we should give it a go for a treatment plan. Well, one treatment plan from another treatment plan and it still seemed like nothing was working. It would slow it down for a little bit, but I was still having multiple flare-ups and attacks that I could not control being out there. So we've seen the weather still did not work for me. It didn't do what I thought it was going to, going to do. I won't say it did not work because I noticed a little bit of a difference, but not for what I had thought it was going to do and what doctors in Ohio were telling me to go and do because it didn't give me a change around for my HAE. I still had these severe swellings and I would get swellings in my stomach. I would even get swellings vaginally and would cause me to go to the doctor to where I've had my cervix slip because of swellings. The doctor there said, there's nothing that we really can do even to do a surgery for you. These swellings keep happening. It's just going to be a repeat episode. So that had put me in another place. So over time, you go through, and I went through, I won't even say I, my family went through with me, my husband, my children, grandparents went through this whole process with me. And that's why I call it a journey because it's an ongoing process. It doesn't end. It doesn't stop. And I know a lot of people look at it and say, oh, well, that's just a sickness. I don't even look at it as that because a sickness is something that I feel like is going to go away, something that is curable, a cold, a flu, that's going to that's gonna clear up. This is an illness to me, and I have to process this. Um, so that's why I say it's my journey. And on this journey, now I'm traveling back to Ohio, 3,000 miles back. So I feel like I'm going backwards at this time. This is going into 2019, 2019. Uh, I get a hold of one of the advocates and she's been great. I've been on board ever since. She um, led me to a great doctor here back in Ohio, although it's not in my city where I'm at. He's within range to where I can drive. Um, he's gave me a great care plan. He also said, hey, let's just do, if you want, it's totally up to you, let's do and see if we can get you in with another great doctor out at the Hereditary Angioedema Center. I made my trip to California, and there the doctor was great as well. Gave me a full diagnosis and told me, don't, don't worry about that anymore. That's over. We have your diagnosis. And I want you to know that there are treatment plans out there, and we will make sure we get you on some type of treatment plan to where you can, you can fight through this. You will be able to, to do it. Because for a while, especially in 2017, up until 2019, 2020, I felt like there was no more hope. I felt like I was losing this battle on this journey. I just wanted to wanted it to be done because I was hitting rock bottom from doctor to doctor, treatment to treatment, and none of them were the right treatments for me. So anybody that's Facing HAE, I just want to say that it is a journey and look at it as a journey and a process. And everybody's process is different. Every swelling is different. I still have new things that I learn um, from flare-ups. As of right now today, I have new things that I learn every day from it. I've battled even from now recently, which is fairly new for me, 
the hives and the rashes that comes along with it, which I had had not experienced them like this before. Maybe I might have had a couple here or there, but never knew that they came from or came with the HKE. So now that I've seen both of those doctors and have a diagnosis, they're both great. They are both on my medical team. I have a current treatment plan that I am on that is working better for me, any more so than any of the other ones I've been on. Um, I still have breakthrough flare-ups, and we're working on that, but I am at a better stage in this process to where I have a little bit of breathing room and I feel more comfortable and I have I have better days on this treatment plan and I have more than one. I have a couple of treatment plans. I have an acute treatment plan and then I have my normal treatment plan that I do on a every other week basis. Yeah. One of the key points that helps make that journey a little easier. Again, I am a caregiver, not a patient, but Finding the doctors that can give you the right treatments, give you the right advice, lead you in the right direction, and help you upon that path, right? Yes. That changes everything. Oh, yeah. It's a world of difference. A world of difference. Yes, it's still a journey. Yes, there's still going to be bumps in that road. There is going to be high points and low points, but at least you have um, people in the medical field that understand what you're saying to them when you say it and don't ask you questions that are irrelevant. Yes. And the hardest part with that, even still today, um, just here in October, I had a fairly decent flare-up again. It left me intubated. Even going to the hospital here today, they still ask the same questions. And it gets frustrating because it's a it's a repeated thing. No matter how many ER tool packets I've taken into them, no matter how many times I've asked for one of the nurses to come out that is educated in HAE and they've offered to come out and speak mm-hmm. to our local hospital. Yeah. It's like they're denying or refusing to hear or accept anything else outside of what they learn. And so for me, And as someone that's a caregiver, because even my husband has times to where he's so frustrated and gets so upset when it's time to go to the ER or check me in because nobody's listening. They just put they want to put in whatever it is they want to put in. And I I honestly honestly believe I could have avoided this last intubation with my HAE flare up if they would have just listened. But because the girl wanted to put in the system that I was having an allergic reaction that led me out for more time as my throat was closing and I can feel it closing. Yeah. So it is hard, right? Because I understand where your husband's frustration comes. He's standing there fighting as hard as he can to get you the treatment that he knows and you know is the correct treatment. And the medical profession at the moment doesn't want to hear it. It is frustrating and it's hard. And I'm so sorry that that is still happening. Oh, yeah. But it's just one of those things without any type of training or knowledge outside of medicine and them thinking that angioedema only comes from medicine because they never listen to the hereditary part. It's just automatically angioedema. 
I think that will be a continuous thing for the medical field until there is somebody in there that has proper training to know that this is a lifelong battle that there are people out there with hereditary angioedema. And not everybody has to have a carrier. It is known for people to have normal C1 and you be the actual carrier. Yeah. There still is a lot of unknowns. Oh, yes. And so that is me. I, I am one of the, the, the very few that have the normal C1. I am the carrier. And I have not learned all of my tics that make me have flare-ups yet. <laughs> It is still a journey for me, and I am still learning today, although I have experienced this since I have been a little girl, experienced yeah. it as a teenager, and as a grown woman now, a mother of her own, I am still experiencing this and new things along the way. Every day I feel like I learn or I read a new piece of information on HAE, and it gives me a little bit more hindsight on it, or I learn from somebody else's story and journey or somebody else's path. It's like, oh my gosh, they had these symptoms. I have those. Yes, all of the yeses to that statement, right? <laughs> I, I have been a caregiver now for officially, we will be married 17 years uh, in a couple weeks. Um, but, you know, we dated for a very long time before that. And I feel like it's been a long time that I've been caring for his HAE. And there is still something new, right? Something yeah. new I'm learning, a new article, a new, a new research that's coming out. There's lots of new treatments. And my daughter has a diagnosis. She hasn't had an attack yet, but now we're dealing with all kinds of new things, right? So so hearing those those stories of people that have that and you are like, yes, I have that too. It just brings you some sort of validation. Like I, I'm not alone in this. I mean, and it does. It does. It makes I, you almost, in a sense, it sounds crazy a little, but it almost brings a little comfort to mm -hmm. know that it's not just you and it's not in your head that you have these pop-up hives or these pop-up rashes or you have this swelling that looks like somebody's put something in the center or the side of your stomach. You're not the only one that haven't experienced these or your face looks different at times. And it's like, sometimes is this a swelling? Is this a flare up? Is What is this? Then when you can see somebody else or know that somebody else has had the same thing, it kind of makes you feel like, oh, it's a blanket over you. Okay, I am in this with everybody else. Yeah. It is. So that, that that's good for for me. It's good for other people. And like I said, if I had to tell anybody and anybody out there that's listening, just keep fighting. There are new treatments steadily coming out. There is new information out. And I don't care how many times I've listened to a podcast or I'm on the on the monthly meeting calls, the Zoom calls or with the advocates. They're always beneficial to me and they're always great. When my husband is around, he listens to them and he even has a little notebook that he keeps some time now. And he's like, oh, did you hear that last time or is that new? He's even aware and more alert now. And we're coming up on 22 years of ah, being together. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 16 years of marriage, but 22 years together. So he's been on this journey with me for a long time as well, just like you and Mike. And like I said, when you're a caregiver, 
or you're the person with the HAE, it is a battle and a struggle for the whole family, for everyone that's involved. And it makes a world of difference when you have a support team or you just have that extra knowledge and that boost of comfort and confidence. Yes, yes. It's definitely teamwork, right? Definitely teamwork. Oh, yes. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us in this podcast and sharing your journey and your story. You're welcome. I thank you. Thank you for tuning in today to the HAE Speaks podcast. I want to send a huge thank you to the HAEA for their support of the HAE Speaks podcast. To our sponsors for the 2022 podcast series, BioCrist, BioMarin, and Takeda. Also a thank you to Michael G for the music and Michael C for the podcast editing. Please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so that you can be notified when a new podcast has become available. For more updates about the HAE Speaks podcast, or if you would like to connect with the HAE community, follow the HAEA on Facebook or Instagram at HAEA. And please check out the HAEA Youth Created and Produced Podcast Beyond HAE. For more information on HAE, please visit the HAEA website, HAEA.org.